All right, guys, welcome to part one of our series with Brent Fortune. We're live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cat and Cloud podcast. I'm Chris Baca, sitting here with everybody's teenage dream, Mr. Jared Truby. And across the table from us is Mr. Brent Fortune. Hello, Brent Fortune. Meow. Hello. Brent Fortune, you've been in coffee longer than anybody I possibly could have ever known. That's weird. (laughs) Tell us a little bit about what you're doing right now and how you got started in coffee. Okay, to, uh, well, right now I'm living in living in uh, Southern California, where I was bo- born and raised, oh. for the most part. Really? Yeah, yeah. Did not know that. Good to be back. After a, a stint in Portland, Oregon. Um, and I started in coffee. Two things happened that, that got me into coffee. The first was I was, um, I had some corporate, uh, corporate monkey jobs, and I was working for this... Uh, restaurant company and they wanted to roll out a coffee program system-wide so um, my part of my job was to train to write training materials and then to train people on what they needed to do to make new product rollouts happen Hmm. and one of the things we worked on was a, a coffee program and it was so dark like compared to 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 what I know now mm-hmm. at the time but what year was this about I don't even know it was like 90 something 90s nice and uh I was like wow this is really cool like there's so much stuff I didn't know um and then I uh was doing a consulting business and I had some friends that wanted to open a coffee shop and this was in San Diego California and those guys, it became really, I didn't know a lot about coffee, but I knew enough to know that they needed to do some things differently. So I, I got in there and started tinkering around with, um, you know, help them buy the, the right machine and get hooked up with the right roaster. They were going to do like everything pre-grind. And um, I was like, no, 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 let's, you know, there's this really good local roaster here. And that was the start of the, the journey. So I eventually became part owner of that coffee bar. Um, in San Diego, and then I kept going up to. I started going to like this thing called NASCOR, which was a, a pre-coffee fest uh, um, trade show that was geared towards retailers. Is this still nineties? Are we in the thousands yeah, yet? Uh, it was in the early two thousands, I think. It all Whoa. gets it all gets blurry. Yeah, um, you've been busy. And I realized that the Pacific Northwest was where all the cool stuff was happening and all the cool kids were. And I was like, oh, I want to be up there with those guys because mm-hmm. San Diego was a little little bit of a ghost town. Was, was that company Cafe Moto, by the way? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, was, uh, that's so weird. I was so working with those guys. Dude, Cafe Moto's well, roots is yeah. well for me. Yeah. That's crazy. I remember that. Yeah, funny. Okay, cool. And um, yeah, I went up to the, the Pacific Northwest and like just like packed packed my stuff in my car and drove up there and rented a place actually with Billy Wilson. And, uh, we, uh, I wanted to work with Stumptown and a few, a few months later I owned a place called Crema. So let's back up a little bit. Did you meet Billy Wilson? And for everybody who doesn't know, Billy, yeah, Billy owns barista in Portland who they have four locations now. And before that was working at, the Albina Press for quite a while, mm-hmm. yep. and is like an epic competition barista. Yep, did pretty well. Ma- Multi- first got to make coffee caviar, right? Yeah, he 
for me, he was kind of like pioneering molecular gastronomy and yep. coffee, multiple time regional winner, like up to second place, USBC. He's a heavyweight cat. Just Billy, like you, Chris. Billy was the guy that you would show up to competition just to see what he was going to do mm-hmm. for a SIG drink. That's true. He was yeah, he guys. was wild. So yeah. you knew him how? I knew him because I went to the SEA Boston and I met uh, Billy and Fung there. Oh, and, nice. and Billy was working for Fung at this place called Lava Java in, which Ridgefield? Is in Ridgefield, Washington. That's um, my about. hometown. Is Seriously? it really? Yeah, You're I'm joking. F- no, I'm from Ridgefield. Do you know Lava Java? This oh place? yeah! Wow, that was the that's, first. That's th- unbelievable. That was the first place that would not serve me espresso over ice. Wow. <laughs> yes, yes. So Patrick Milroy. So he was just like, we no, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and and almost like you you need to leave my shop. It was yeah. probably Billy. It was probably Billy or Ryan <laughs> or Wilbur. Wilbur. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say it might have been Ryan Wilbur. Shut up. I can't. That's fantastic. There it is. We full sorry, circled thanks, you. Thanks, guys. Sorry. Sorry. We brought Brent oh, here just for that. Good. That's crazy. The whole quip was for that. We're connected. Yeah. Amazing. We've paid for ourselves now. <laughs> <laughs> I met I met those two in Boston, and um, my one somebody that was working for me in San Diego was competing in the USBC, and like was we didn't have a clue what we were doing, and he needed like uh, water cups or a sugar bowl or something and and we didn't have one and and Fung and Billy were like oh bar- you should borrow ours and I was like that is so nice these people are so nice <laughs> and like stayed in touch with those two uh, up until I I moved up to Portland that's crazy that is awesome that's crazy that I was remember like 2004 I think yeah I mean crema it was a place to stop I mean we'd come for uh, the coffee, for sure, and also the, the pastries. Like, that was a yeah. thing for yeah. us in Portland. We'd venture up there, and it'd be like, we need to go to Crema because yeah. they have a good Stumptown coffee program, yeah. and Fortune does it. But yeah. also, the pastry game was hot. That was the thing that I, I wanted. I was tired of going to um, these these epic bakeries, um, and you you would get this amazing croissant or amazing pastry, and the coffee was terrible, mm-hmm. like undrinkable. So I wanted to have a place that was doing both things decently so you could have a good cup of coffee and a really good pastry under the same roof with roll-up doors and beautiful yeah the space multiple roll-up doors oh it's so pretty where's crema at it's in uh it's in portland oregon in um uh a neighborhood called uh laurelhurst yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you were in southern california Got into coffee, moved yeah. to Portland because that's yeah. where the hot stuff. Because I wanted to be around people I could learn from, right. and at the time, Stumptown was like the hot, the hotness. They were mm-hmm. on and fire. They were, they were on fire. They were still just a, this small Portland-based company. Dwayne was super nice to me. Um, Jana was so helpful. Jana. They were all. Everyone was so like welcoming and um, you know teaching me as much as I wanted to know. At that point in time, I feel like there was no question that Stumptown was the coolest coffee company like on planet Earth. Mm. At oh, least yeah. that was a perception in my head, which yeah. is like the best people are at Stumptown. Yeah. They are just crushing it. And yeah. they you know, they were before a lot of people. Intelligentsia was around, but I, I feel like they weren't as cool different. then. Yeah. So you did all that stuff. How did you end up getting involved in the SCAA and judging and all that stuff? Because that's where I remember you from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I competed once. At what? The, uh, yeah. <laughs> I competed once. I should have. How I can we find my this? score sheets? Uh, they were so bad. It was so bad. What? Um, when was this? This w- this was at NASCAR, and okay. it was still called the Western Region Regional, mm-hmm. and it right. was all of the West Coast. So it was Oregon, Washington, California. 
Hawaii, Alaska, I think we're all in wow. there. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um, there were there were maybe like fifteen. No, there were maybe like eighteen competitors or something. And like it was like Stephen Vick, Heather Perry, <laughs> Bronwyn Serta. No. Oh, Bronwyn. Um, Kyle Larson. Whoa. Like, Billy Wilson. It was the those kind. That of, was the times. Yeah. Some yeah. heavyweight, heavyweight yeah. cats yeah. right there. Yeah. You got some people. So I competed, and I was like, "Wow, this is really this is really hard," and uh, I don't know what I'm doing. So I think I should judge because that's probably a, a lot easier than competing. <laughs> a lot, a lot less pressure. So I started, um, I started judging, and it was super fun. Like because you got to taste all kinds of different coffee from different roasters. Yep, and you got to. Um, meet so many baristas and and other judges and then you got to like you had an excuse to travel to other cities and like write it off as a business expense perfect yeah traveling yeah for free and you got to see you got to see the best of what was happening Mm -hmm. in roasting and extraction and equipment yeah and grinders and different tamping techniques and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. So back then, okay, you got to see all these pioneers, right, compete. What was, you know, they? I mean, they're all good, right? I mean, I mean, I think back and I'm like, Heather, good. Billy, good. Kyle, good. All these great people. But who was like, who served you your first in the competition setting, like your first psycho espresso where you're just like, I remember that one. That's the one. That's tough. You know, there were, there were, there were a lot and there were, um, you know, there were, I, I, most of what I remember about competitions are, are you remember the signature drink? Because that, that was how I was able to recall, mm. like, who did what. Totally. And, and, you know, you remembered, like, Billy Wilson's espresso caviar. And then, um, uh, you know, I, re- I remember the first time Kyle Glanville competed for Victr- he was working for Victrola. And I was like, wow, this guy, uh, seems like he doesn't want to be here <laughs> was, that, was that the the tamper sticky year yes i think so so kyle got i wasn't there i just heard stories about this guy who was really good but got his tamper stuck in the portafilter <laughs> oh, and geez. kept dumping pucks out on stage there were so many oh there were so many moments like that and i feel like those things don't happen as much as they used to mm-hmm. and that was part of what made it so fun and crazy and unpredictable Oh yeah, and then there were the people who were like clearly up there because their boss had like made them sign up for this thing, <laughs> and you know like they were like eighteen, nineteen, twenty minutes, twenty one minutes, twenty two minutes, and they, it was just so painful to watch. So in competition, yeah. you only have fifteen minutes total. So you're getting up there, you're DQ'd, and everybody's just like, okay, just finish. You just yeah. keep crying rolling. Out. Just yeah. get just done. Rolling. And you didn't you didn't want to be rude, so we would let them just continue going until you know to like finish it out even though they were completely disqualified but you sometimes it's just painful yeah to, to be there and watch it was amazing the, you and know the, some some of the some of the the funniest memories i have are the are like the some really um bad you know signature drinks and stuff like that as opposed to the really good ones yeah like mm-hmm. the really good ones i i remember you know you remember the people who won the competition and you remember their routine and and i can even remember some of their music and mm-hmm. like ryan wilbur and devin Petey and even chris and you guys always had the most amazing music mixes and sometimes i would go around <laughs> after and like steal people's cds just because i wanted to yeah that, those 
That was a cool time. I remember sending out a lot of mixes. Yeah. It was like a thing because there it wasn't was a lot of music online at that point, yeah. and people were like, "Dude, send me a CD." And oh yeah. I remember Scott Lucy was one of those mm. um, at Collectivo at the time. Altera. He's like, "Send me, send me a mix. What's the fresh hip hop? Let you, me do it." He's at Kickapoo now. He's at. Ki- oh yeah, he's. He's at not at either any of those. Yeah, he's moved. My bad. He's. I know. Jeez. <laughs> Sorry, Scott. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely remember uh, the first time I. I judged the WBC in Copenhagen. World Barista Championship. The, yeah, the World Barista Championship and and the year that Stephen Morrissey won. And mm. I remember I remember so clearly his presentation and his drink and um uh that, you know, and and carrying the four he he did this thing where he, he hand carried all four uh espressos yeah. in his two hands from his station to the table and it was just He had like, a balancing act. Yeah. When I think so three were on one hand, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. that was the crazier it was three part. Three and yeah. then one. Yeah, yeah, that was crazy. He's all, "I'm gonna give you an espresso, and I'm not gonna I'm tell not you gonna what they are." Yeah, yeah, it was so insane. <laughs> we were in Colombia, and he taught me how to do that, and I was like, "How the fuck did you think of this? This is nuts." The guy's awesome. Showmanship. He is so great. Stephen Morrissey's pretty. Uh, he's at Intelligentsia now. He's a great guy. I really like that guy. Um, he's smart. I he is smart. T- I want to talk about. Um, judging and then the two ways that judging can go because there's in my mind there's judges who judge for themselves and they want to judge but then the way that i kind of always saw you and a lot of other people's did where other people did were like as the barista's advocate so big time you kind of understood a little bit of where we were coming from i think it was from i think it was from having competed just that one stupid terrible time that i really knew what it felt like to be on the other end of that feed and and it was back in the day like uh, when I was moving, I found my score sheets, and I was like, "Wow, they, they used to cross off the names of the judges from the from the score sheets before they would give them back to the competitors because Weird. they didn't want the competitors to associate who was giving that feedback, who the judge was." Mm-hmm. And that's how that's how far how long ago it was, where they were trying to protect the judges from, you know. And it was it, when you think about that, it was like, "Wow, that was so. Why did we think that was a good idea? That was terrible. That was a terrible idea." Just um, like sugar. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. like sugar. And setting the table during your prep time. Or and, I mean during uh, your competition time. It, you know, I, I, you started to see, you you definitely would, would you definitely could tell. So t- to be a judge, you had to go through this um, one day, sometimes two day training program to learn how to be a judge. And I started, um, I started getting involved in sort of teaching some of that stuff and, and developing a, a curriculum around how to teach people to be a judge. And you could definitely tell pretty early on who was there to support the baristas and who mm. was there to um, pick apart and find everything, find everything wrong. And you could tell who... That was that was the toughest thing is trying to get people in the same in the mindset of like you have to be critical, but at the same time you have to be supportive and you have to try to frame all of your feedback in a way that is constructive. Mm-hmm. And some people just didn't understand uh, how how to do that because it because judging is such a critical um, activity, and so people would just be so so mean and so harsh. And I'm you know I'm guilty. I was guilty of that. At, at some stages too where you just can't get out of the like this was terrible and then i figured out that you can find something positive in 
any barista's presentation, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Right. Like maybe my first one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I just remember you were such an advocate for myself. And um, I think it was it was Sean White and Colby. Sean we, White. Yeah, I remember we all... Uh, I mean, it was you were like literally the first connection in third wave coffee, which is, you know, uh, the saying third that people... Wave. Yeah, it doesn't really mean anything, but people talk about third... Specialty coffee, basically. But we walked into Petaluma, and I remember... I was like, who are these, who are these cats? Like stand, they were just like, there were like four guys standing in the sort of middle back of the room. And I could tell like they didn't have a, a, they didn't know anyone because they were just like, you guys were just like on your own. Yep. And I was like, these guys seem kind of cool. Like, who are they? Yeah. And I remember really clearly going up to you guys and being like, hey, where are you guys from? Mm -hmm. What, what's up? What are you doing here? And, uh. We were like, this guy's a judge. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's not even a joke either. After you left, we were like, that's one of the judges. <laughs> one of the ju- he's and it's so like, cool. Are you even <laughs> supposed to be talking to him? You know, back in the day, it's like, can you even talk Crazy. to the judge? Like, don't look him in the eye. Oh, my gosh. Those situations were so intimidating. It, Badly. And and it was so, it was so silly. Like, we, we would, you would get so serious and when you would get, you know, and the like, I still sometimes watch the competitions now and I'm just like, oh man, the judges look so, like they're so unhappy and uncomfortable. And it's just because the, you can't say anything and you have to sort of sit there and just take it all in. Um, it's just such too a, bad, really. Yeah, it's such an awkward, unrealistic yeah. situation still. I often want to force them to talk to me. And Billy, Doesn't Billy do that? was one of the first people to, to do that. Yeah. And he, you know, and some of the judges were so thrown off by that, and he got in trouble for like, "Hey, you you can't." F-. He, you know, he was like, "He shook their hands." You yeah, remember that? And he was like, "People were like, you're flirting with the judges," and he was like, "No, he's like having an actual. He's trying to have a real interaction." Right, dude. He yeah. was on yeah. the next next. Yeah. Like, yeah. People yeah. maybe right now don't understand, but like, I remember that two moments that I remember. Actually, I remember a lot, but I remember him introducing himself and reaching across the table to shake all the judges' hands. And I'm like, holy shit, this guy's like touching a judge. Like, he's going to get thrown <laughs> out. so taboo. But then what other people probably don't remember is that back in the day, the judges used to stand yeah, right. the whole That's routine. Right. And one year, he brought all of the judges' stools. Yes. Yeah, I And I was that. like, holy shit, he brought stools. Like, is yeah. this even allowed? Yeah. And I'm like, this guy's the best, dude. There's no way around it. It was crazy. Man. But I'm – so there's like levels. There's – when you talked about, you know, giving positive feedback or finding something positive in the score sheet, I feel like there's another sub-level to that, to where understanding and maybe being an advocate for different rule changes, understanding how coffee evolves. And I think of, like, the the face melter shot mm-hmm. in terms of, like, you know, Jared's performances, the longer extraction yeah. extractions than were technically allowed by the score sheet. Yeah. Um, and kind of pushing for those things on the barista's yes. end, mm-hmm. and the and the those I always felt like the score sheets were the rules were a couple steps behind where the industry was at the time, and it and it got difficult to keep it got there difficult go. to keep oh. pushing. <laughs> Sounds so good now. So <laughs> good. We had to keep pushing for. Um, you know, al- making allowances for the new things that baristas were figuring out and doing to make, to push coffee forward. Mm. Yeah. The face melter. Yeah. The face melter. Yeah. Thanks for listening. That was part one. Check back in for part two. You can find more of our episodes at catandcloud.com. That's C A T A N D C L O U D. 
Bye.